children that come out as transgender are being celebrated. And so with our grandchildren, we need to celebrate who they are every day, every time that we have a chance, that opportunity to be with them. Uh, if there's somebody that's feeling maybe not necessarily unloved, but they're seeking something, they're seeking a purpose, you know, if we don't help them to discover that uh, through, through God's design, uh, culture will help them find it. Welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I am joined by my co-host, John Cologne, Director of Spiritual Development for the Legacy Coalition. Our special guest today is Denise Schick, who will be joining us in just a moment. But first, John, do you have any words of wisdom for us today? Oh, words of wisdom. You know, as we're dealing with this subject today I, I realize you know we're this is probably one of the most serious um, interviews that we'll be doing for a while and I was just thinking about our world that we live in um, the changes that we've experienced Denise and I was thinking of uh, what uh, Churchill remember Winston who yes. often had a had a problem <laughs> with his his mouth. And uh, one of the things he said was life is fraught with opportunities to keep your mouth shut, which apparently he learned by not keeping his mouth shut. But he made another statement, which is fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. Mm. And what we're going to be dealing with today um, is, is something that scares us because it really is a, a threat to the family system to God's plan for the family, to his design for the family. And I just thought uh, we need courage as we lean into the subject today, Wayne. Um, we need w wisdom to really uh, open our hearts to these people who are proclaiming a whole new gospel that is destroying families there. We've put it on the table. And... Uh, so that, that would be my word of wisdom for me and, and for us and for our listeners today. Yeah. Good. Good words, John. Well, our special guest today is Denise Schick. She is the founder and executive director of Help for Families. She is also director of Livingstones Ministries. Uh, she's written a few books, four children's books and several nonfiction books, including My Daddy's Secret, Understanding Gender Confusion, a faith-based perspective, and transgender confusion, a biblical Q&A for families. She's an ordained minister. She has a degree in psychology, and uh, she and her husband, Mark, live in Asheville, North Carolina, or thereabouts. <laughs> she has four kids and uh, four grandkids. Uh, Denise, welcome to Legacy Grandparenting. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. Yeah, and you are speaking to us from North Carolina, actually from the back seat of your van, I think. Or, uh, <laughs> so if if we hear any, you know, flyovers or anything, we'll know what that's all about. And we want to dive right in and learn all that we can from you about transgender confusion, which is the title of one of your books. But first, we want to ask you a few questions just to get better acquainted. Sure. Do you mind? Do you mind taking what we call our legacy podcast poll? Oh, no. <laughs> that sounds interesting. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> okay. Well, we're guessing that since you've written a few books, you also like to read books. So what's a favorite book that you've read 
that you have on your bookshelf or Kindle or whatever that uh, you could recommend to us today? You know, this is probably not the answer that you're looking for, but to be honest, my favorite book is the Bible. Uh, And that is my run-to book for everything. Uh, Any problems that arise in my personal life, you know, in ministry, the answers and, and yet the comfort and the wisdom through God's word. So outside of the Bible, I really don't I, I could not name a favorite book. Um, that the Bible is my favorite book. <laughs> okay, well we we used to exclude the Bible from that. But... Oh, sure, you're making it tough. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's it's almost a given, isn't it, for those those of us who are are Christ followers that the Bible is our number one go to book, right? Okay. Wayne. Wayne, I'm guessing that her favorite book would have been Long Distance Grandparenting by Wayne Rice. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's all right. Well, but we're going to give exclude, you a... If I exclude the Bible, then I would say Boundaries uh, that oh, yeah. is written by uh, Cloud and Townsend. Uh, and I, I just, that is a book that I have read seven times. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. See, we prodded your memory a little bit. You did. You did. (laughs) And you were able to come up with something. So that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Your all-time favorite musical artist or band. That would be for, for, um, I'm going to try to pronounce this right, Fernando Ortego. Uh (laughs) Yes. Fernando. Yes. Uh, Well, he's one of my favorites. music so peaceful. Uh I don't know. There's just something, you know, when I'm having uh, trouble sometimes writing or concentrating, I will go to YouTube and listen to him. You know, Fernando was uh, one of our musical artists at the Legacy Grandparenting Summit a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. And uh, he he did it actually twice. And uh, uh, he's just a great, great human being, as well as an incredible artist. And a bird watcher, which is probably the most oh, wow. you feel. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to get Fernando on the podcast here one of yeah. these times. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Denise, your all-time favorite movie. Oh my goodness! You are allowed to go to movies, are you? Know, when I was growing up, we couldn't go to movies. I was I grew up in a very strict background. Nor nor I. Yeah. Would you want Jesus to find you in a theater if he came back? You know, I would have to go back to my younger days um, with the story of Johnny Erica Santa Catata. Um, and I can't think of what was her, what was the movie when she. Johnny. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that I was a Billy I, Graham. Wasn't that a Billy Graham film? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the the I was just a young teenager then, and I just thought of the faith, you know, the the reality of what she was going through, uh, but how she, boy, how how the power of God, you know, as she began to dig in into her relationship with Him, and how instrumental, how inspiring her story's been throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. The most interesting person that you've ever met. 
Oh, now that's, that is a tough one <laughs> because I meet some really interesting people. Uh, yeah, excluding, ex excluding us, of course. Yeah, excluding Jonathan, you yes. guys. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, if I'm going to speak about somebody that's well-known um, to help people with a figure, honestly, I would have to wholeheartedly say June Hunt um, from wow. Hope for the Heart. I have treasured uh, being able to, to know her and to call her as a friend, but I find her so interesting. Um, just uh, the way that she ministers, uh, what God has done with her life, um, I, I guess that's who, who would come to mind uh, with somebody that people would know. <clears throat> Great. All right. Last question is uh, a, a favorite vacation destination. What would you recommend? I would, I'll tell you where my dream vacation is. And that would be Alaska. I would love to go to Alaska where it well. is cold, but you know, the Carolinas <laughs> are beautiful. <laughs> Pennsylvania is beautiful too. I love the mountains. So where there's a lot of nature and where there's mountains, when I look at mountains, I am reminded for some reason, it reminds me of the power of God. John, have you ever done the uh, Alaskan cruise with your old boss, Chuck Swindoll? Yes, I did. Um, and they just finished their cruise last week, their final cruise with, with Chuck. Some, well, anyway, yes, and your uh, brother was on that cruise with. Yeah, I got Rush to do Harbor. that a few years back too. And, uh, John, and um, they had Sandy Patty, Dave yeah. Pendleton, who's an old friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, Alaska is beautiful. Really, it, is. it looks beautiful from the photos I've seen throughout the years, and so it is some place that I hope to to visit in my lifetime. Okay, great. go go in the summer, Denise. Go, go in the, the summer. summer. Yes, I, I'm not a cold person. I, I don't like the cold. But okay. <laughs> yeah, summertime is it is great going up there and seeing those glaciers and mm. and uh, having some nice fresh salmon, fresh yeah. caught. Yeah, it's great. Well, Denise, thank you for taking our legacy podcast poll. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, you've done a lot of writing and speaking on the subject of gender identity. And uh, as John mentioned, it's a it's a difficult subject, you know, transgender confusion and so forth. I'm thinking that you must really enjoy being caught in the crosshairs of the <laughs> culture wars. Um, what kind of feedback do you get from people? Mm. Um, you know, just uh, how have you managed to... Uh, stay calm, you know, when uh, certainly you've, you've probably gotten quite a bit of pushback. Besides listening to Fernando. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I have had my fair share of uh, pushback, um, especially uh, when any article that I've written that had appeared in the Federalist or, you know, other uh, publishing places, uh, just voice and the, whether it's research, you know, adding with personal stories, but looking at this from reality and with a biblical viewpoint. 
of it. Uh, there's there's been threats, you know, against me, and and I have had a board member uh, in the past that would ask me several times, Denise, aren't you afraid? You know, doesn't that scare you going there? What do you think of that? And my response to her has always been the same. You know, if God has uh, asked me to go somewhere to do something, uh, to speak at this conference or, you know, whatever task that it is, then God will protect me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so that's really how I've walked forward in it is just knowing that if that's of his calling, I'll be okay. Yeah. Well, you have uh, the courage that uh, Winston Churchill was talking about. So thank you for that. We know this is a topic uh, that's very personal to you. Uh, Why don't you give us, just for the benefit of our listeners, a little bit of your history with this topic? You don't have to go into all the details, but but tell us about your own family and how this affected you. Yeah, well, I was uh, nine years old when my father had told me that he wanted to become a woman. Uh, And at that time, he shared with me many of his own secrets, you know, including uh, letting me know as a nine-year-old how I would tell when he was feeling that way. Um, He also had shared with me that he was sexually abused. Uh, It it was a very difficult um, time to hear and to try to process at nine years old then. Hmm. Uh, Immediately thinking, okay, this is dad, but you're Denise, you're two separate people. This won't impact you. This won't affect you. But I was so wrong. Uh, You know, immediately after he finished telling me everything that, that he had on his mind to share, I really began to grieve the loss of a dad. I thought, my gosh, he's not my dad. I I couldn't even really look at him as my dad any longer. Uh, It seemed like I was fighting uh, an invisible woman, in a sense. Uh, And so that was, it was very difficult uh, in my growing up years. Uh, He uh, did things behind the scenes, you know, and visiting local bars, dressed up. Uh, and the difficulties that that created, of course, between he and my mother, and uh, the difficulties growing up, maturing into a young woman when your dad was so envious of what you were becoming. It was a very confusing childhood. And so I did not uh, adapt maybe the the way that today's world would be suggesting I should have by accepting, you know, of this. Instead, I became more confused, confused about my own sexuality. Who am I? If God made a mistake with my dad, how did I know that he didn't make a mistake with me? Um, Just the questioning of the authority of God, of the word of God. Um, And and yet running from the pain uh, with saving my lunch money, my babysitting money for alcohol, and trying to numb what I was going through as a child. Mm. Wow. Denise, after you went through this as a, as a youngster and as a teenager and as you moved into adulthood and you were involved with the, the, the drinking, as you mentioned, and as, as a way to deal with this, how long did it take for you to, to arrive at some of the conclusions that you have today uh, when it comes to 
what our our biblical response to this is and what you've been talking and writing about now, through your I, ministry. It had taken me 30 years to really work through my own brokenness uh, from this journey. And it's, it's been a long, it's been a long journey. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. For me, a lot of what I had to work through was unforgiveness towards my father uh, the situations that he had put me in the midst of. And, you know, just how those words to a nine-year-old, I want to become a woman, how that affects a child's life. It's life altering to any child. Yeah. Now, did you have I, siblings? I do. I have brothers, uh, sisters? four younger siblings. Yeah. And how did all this affect uh, well, them? You know, the brokenness in our home uh, certainly affected each of them. I have a brother that's a recovered alcoholic. Uh, I have a brother that was sent away at the age of 14 uh, to Teen Challenge for drug abuse because it was so severe. Uh, it, um, My dad's brokenness just, it was like a pebble. You know, you throw a pebble in a river and you see the ripple effects of that dysfunction and it, it ran through the entire family in different ways. And your your parents did they stay together? They, the, yeah, they. That was it they stayed the together um, until I was twenty eight when he had left at that time. So there was a lot that happened behind the scenes, and even though neighbors and people knew, um, they stayed together until he just finally just said, I "I'm done." You know, it's time to be true to myself. Yeah. Now their parents or your grandparents, how did they? Respond? My grandmother had passed away. Uh, she herself, just to give some background on his parents, she was an alcoholic. Yeah. What were, what were the, uh, what was the road back for you? I mean, what initiated uh, the, the change? change of having to dig everything up? Uh, and to work through it, really, it occurred when I received the news that my dad was dying of cancer. It took a life-changing situation uh, where the Lord had spoke to me very powerfully, uh, telling me that I needed to forgive my dad. And, and you know, I shamefully admit that I had said to God, no, I'm pretty good right where I'm at. You know, um recognizing that if I go and face him as an adult, I am drudging all this up. And, and as the years go on, you get so used to stuffing and stuffing and stuffing that you don't realize how much and how in depth that stuffing has gone. Um, so it was really through the Lord calling me at that time to not only forgive him, but get to know him as an adult no longer taking that nine-year-old's perspective and hurt and pain, but understand your dad and the situations. And so I, I actually became a private detective, as many of us do. You know, I went to uh, a couple uh, great aunts and an aunt that had, I knew they had information that would be helpful to me. Uh, and of course, you know, spending the next six months with my dad while he was in hospice uh, was eye-opening too. Uh, he, it was the first time, obviously, that I had heard somebody say, this, meaning transitioning, did not bring me the fulfillment 
that I thought that it would. And to me, that was just a, a you know, it was like his confession. He had lost everything. Uh, my mother had gained an annulment from the Catholic Church. Um, my brothers, my siblings, and myself, you know, we disconnected from him because we were raising children. How do we raise children in this type of environment? And what kind of confusion may the enemy attempt with them? You know, understanding the confusion that I went through uh, as a child. So there, there was a lot of different layers God had to work with me through. Denise, uh, you know, many of our uh, listeners, in fact, most of our listeners are grandparents. What would you say to a grandparent who's just been told by either their, their children or their grandchildren themselves that uh, one of their grandkids wants to change from being a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy? I think it's important that they don't panic. You know, when we panic, uh, we can, anybody can say things that you wish you wouldn't have. Um, even acting in, in ways that we regret uh, because those words or those actions have come out of really the shock, the dismay of the situation. But rather to treat them like they always have with the kindness, with the love, with the desire to have the relationship with them and to remember the power of prayer. And I sincerely mean this, the power of prayer. Sometimes I think as God's people, we can forget when we start to focus on the issue, on the brokenness, on the trouble that this is creating in the family, Uh, to take their grandchild's name and to be praying the scriptures by personalizing their prayer life for that grandchild. to know it's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel the feelings you're feeling, but don't allow it to take you over. Don't allow those feelings to distract you and to lead you astray. You know, God's promises are there to remind us every morning of his goodness, of of the capabilities of his healing power. And I just, keep your faith. That's my words to grandparents that are facing this. Along with that, when, let's say, the the grandparent gets word of this, I mean, this is so foreign to so many of us. I mean, this is not something we grew up thinking about or, you know, we're surrounded by it in, in our elementary and junior high and high school years. These kids that we're dealing with, I mean, they don't even know the difference between uh, what's normal and abnormal in many cases. So how how do we as grandparents, when we get word of this, how do we respond to them? Not just, I'm not discounting Mm -hmm. prayer because my goodness, it's going to change our lives too and it needs to. But then what's the next step as we're trying to talk to them about it mm-hmm. and listen to yeah, them? Yeah, I would suggest to ask them questions. Can you tell me more about this? Well, what made you come to this conclusion? You know, questions that allow them to share 
why they're thinking or why they're believing that there's something other than what God created them. And that allows the grandparent uh, clarity in, in their mindset on how they came to this conclusion. You know, today, so many, gosh, unfortunately, so many young people are, are identifying as because of the pressure, the cultural pressure that they need to identify somewhere along the LGBT labeling. Uh, so even to, as a grandparent, to be able to address labeling, uh, reminding them of their uniqueness, of how God created them, their giftedness. And I think as grandparents, as a grandmother, I'm always, you know, looking for ways to affirm them, to affirm whether my grandson or granddaughters uh to tell them what an excellent job they've done, uh, how God had created them so special, just by speaking those words. It's very powerful over a life when they're being told by culture uh, that, you know, this is who you are, this is what you are, and this is why. Uh, we have to counter those lies. I think uh, as churches, grandparents, as churches, we really need to teach our children about apologetics so that they know how to handle culture, the culture they're growing up in. Denise, uh, in your book and uh, earlier in this interview, you uh, you said that your your father's desire to transition from male to female was was connected or driven in some way by some sexual abuse or family dysfunction or trauma that he experienced as a child. Um, but you also um, seem to be suggesting that the increase in gender confusion that we're seeing today might be connected to cultural changes that have taken place in recent years. Um, the acceptance of the LGBTQ lifestyle, the way it's portrayed in the media as being cool, uh, colorful, you know, with all those rainbows and costumes and parades and so forth. Celebrities and TV shows seem to indicate that, uh, you know, if you're not an LGBT or Q, then there must be something wrong with you. Am I wrong in uh, in that? No, you are right. You know, they're being celebrated. Children that come out as transgender are being celebrated. And so with our grandchildren, we need to celebrate who they are every day, every time that we have a chance, that opportunity to be with them. Uh, if there's somebody that's feeling yeah. maybe not necessarily unloved, but they're seeking something, they're seeking a purpose, you know, if we don't help them to discover that uh, through, through God's design, uh, culture will help them find it. That's really uh, excellent advice, uh, Denise. Thank you for that. Um, let me ask you another question. If a grandchild has made the decision, maybe just in their head, or or maybe they're they're actually going to uh, transition uh, physically in some way from being a boy to to being a girl, and they no longer want to be called uh, Tommy, but instead uh, Tiffany, what should be our response as grandparents? The most challenging question that I get asked. <laughs> so uh, you know, I'm going to go at uh, this from a from a biblical standpoint, of course. Uh, you know, if Jake wants to be killed, uh, called Jill, or Jill wants to be called Jake, uh, looking at this biblically, um, there's no truth in that. To agree with a lie empowers the delusion 
that they are living in. And so to rather offer them, whether they accept it or not, an understanding that I'll use myself for an example. I love you. I always will. But due to my moral convictions, I cannot agree to calling you by a name that that you are not. It's tough. It's hard. I get it. It's heartaching for so many families that are facing this when it comes to the name and pronouns. Um, With my dad, I never once called him Becky, uh, even in the hospital room with his LGBT friends. Now, I didn't do it in uh, in in a hateful manner. You know, I would just say, you mean my dad, uh, him, uh, and, and it was done in a way that honestly my heart was for my dad to be reminded of who he was. If I was playing along with the delusion that he was a female, I would be agreeing with the lie that he'd been living for so long, the lie that stole everything from him. By calling him dad, I mean, he could accept that, though. But what what about the child that doesn't want to be known as granddaughter? Yeah, so, you know, there's there's um, by a, name, a, yeah. a way that I've learned, uh, even with uh, counseling individuals in this type of struggle, uh, you know, I, uh, well, that would be like a friend, you know, may I call you friend? But we don't. If we're careful of our speech, of what we say, I don't necessarily say to my granddaughter, hey, Sarah, you know, let's go do this. I can say, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? You know, there's ways that we can go about not calling them by the name. I think sometimes we feel the pressure that we that we have to decide, you know, and put a name in there. Uh, with my With my own children, I don't say, hey, Michael, you know, you want to come over? I'll just say, hey. You know, Dad and I are doing this. Would you like to come over and help? <laughs> so, or, or honey. Exactly. And some grandparents, <laughs> especially grandmas, will say, "Honey." Uh, there, there are creative ways around it. Now, if uh, a grandchild is more of a, you know, a maybe sixteen, seventeen, and demanding, would we give into that demanding spirit on anything else? Normally, we wouldn't. We would put our foot down and say, you know. This isn't going to happen here. And what would the pushback be with parents? I mean, we've got two entities dealing, we're dealing with our grandchildren and their parents. And I mean, and the reaction is probably polarized, you know, from great heartache to great delight. Yes, exactly. Um, The great heartache to understand that the parents, if you're coming at this from a godly perspective, uh, and your son or daughter is in this type of situation, you know, to understand the depth of the pain that they're in, uh, the isolation that normally they will hide under because of the shame. They're not sure who to trust with their circumstances of what's happening at home. Uh, so to be a the, the grandparent to the parent uh, you know, to be there, to be a safe person for their adult child to go to, to share, to pray with, to encourage, 
to go have a cup of tea with, uh, whatever is possible in that relationship to help pull them out of the isolation that they could end up in. Uh, and, and I have heard, unfortunately, stories where actually the grandparents are the ones that are supporting and actually paying for that grandchild to come live with them and then pay for the hormones, pay for the surgeries. It just blows my mind, you know, going against the parents' desire, desires, their wishes, uh, and, and creating such chaos within the family, so much friction. Is that just grandparents just buying into the cultural yes thing or do or are they doing it out of love for their grandkids no they you know they're they're buying into that they can't help it that they're born this way uh and if they don't then that grandchild's going to commit suicide uh you know all of the 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 ways that a grandparent can be people can be manipulated into believing lies um, now, we know there's a high suicide rate among those that uh, transition or identify as transgender, but in the studies themselves, especially the Sweden study, that's such a liberal place to live, they've discovered that there is actually a three, threefold attempted suicide rate among these folks than the normal population. That's those that transitioned and those that didn't. Denise, this raises another question, and I'll, I'll see if I can put it into words. Um, is it possible that a person's desire to transition to the opposite sex is because they were born that way? I mean, that perhaps it's, it's more physical. Maybe a female brain was born into a male body somehow, or, or one's ability to produce testosterone rather than estrogen is out of whack or something along those lines. I mean, we've been talking and assuming that the desire to transition is, is mostly mental, but can it be physical also? Yeah, so a lot of times when, when people ask about the physical aspect of it, uh, a person may get confused with intersexed, which is we are talking about a physical condition if somebody has been born uh, with both uh, genitalia. Uh, and so that, when somebody is intersexed, you are, a person is entrusting the physicians, uh, those that work with the child and the family to best designate on how to raise that child. That is not what we're talking about. Intersexed is not what we consider gender dysphoric, uh, transgender, transsexual, whatever uh, label that one may ask about. When we're talking about transgender, it is in the mind. It is in the mind that they there is a severe distress that they are the wrong sex. And so much that as we see some people, you know, that have uh, transitioned, have changed their whole life, not just their name and their pronouns, but we're talking about body, you know, having surgical procedures that cut off healthy body parts. Uh, you know, it's funny, we, we can look at somebody with anorexia and say, there's something wrong with her or him. Their, their mind is telling them that they really weigh 160 pounds when they're 75. But when it comes to the transgender, that's not the way that it's being treated. Uh, it is emotional, uh, traumatic events. 
if not psychological underlining issues that are the, that have made up the, the condition of one identifying as being something other than how God had created them. Now, I have also um, uh, seen studies and I have some uh, professionals on my board and those that advise in different situations with me. Uh, the studies that I'm referring to are brain scans, you know, of a person's, of, of a regular male's brain in comparison to a male to female. So biologically male and now living as a female and how the brain looks different. But what the study uh, is actually proven is that our mindset and when we act, when we behave differently and we are believing differently, our brain actually changes. So that alone isn't even proof that a transsexual mind is different than what a biological person's is as male or female. How do we handle these matters <clears throat> within the church, Denise? Um, kids are going to go off to camp. You know, do, does a, a girl who wants to be a boy live, stay in the boys' cabin? <laughs> I mean, we've got some major issues to, that we have to struggle with and try and figure out. And and I'm going to throw another question out. It's just, you know, what place does the government and the school play and how do we respond to that? Those are huge. That yeah. may be a whole nother session. Yeah, they, they are huge. Well, I was recently asked by a church in Texas uh, for my thoughts on the camp. You know, every year they have summer camp. And so my suggestion to them was to have some type of policy that uh, the children will be housed with those that are of the same, uh, of their same biological sex, you know, kind of protecting them and and yet putting that boundary that if you're a boy, if you were born a boy, then you're going to be housed with the boys uh, in that sense. Um, the schools and the government, oh my gosh, this has become so political. Uh, the NEA, National Education Association, has been a huge part of this, uh, a huge part of the transgender acceptance and teaching these children that you know, what, what's uh, between the legs doesn't matter, in their words. You know, that your, your gender is what you believe in your mind you are to be. Uh, and I'd seen this a number of years ago. I'm going to say about 12 to 14 years ago when I attended a couple NEA conferences in Washington, D.C. Uh, because of the invitation of a... A former retired teacher that was very concerned. And when people approached us at the table and allowed uh, me to say a few words, it would start to turn into an angry debate on their part. They did not want to hear then what I had to offer on this subject matter. You know, understanding that if I was a child today, I really believe that I would have traveled that road at least so far because I was beginning to believe that lie that God might have made a mistake. Dad should have been a woman. How did I know I was not to be a boy and to play that out in my bedroom, to play that out in my imagination. So my heart for children, wow, it, it's huge today. 
I have a huge heart for the children that are growing up in this gender-confused world. It was hard enough knowing I was a boy going through adolescence. Yeah. You know. No boy likes to have that squeaky voice, you know, right. uh, and girls don't like that they're being noticed because their bodies are changing. That's facts. But we also know that that doesn't last forever. Denise, thanks for sharing your insights on all of this uh, with our grandparents. Um, you've given us uh, some really helpful tips. Um, don't panic. Pray like crazy. Uh, keep loving and affirming our grandkids. Um, hold on to what we know is true. Don't cave in to the lies of culture. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, if they want to understand, to definitely gain some understanding, some knowledge about uh, how their grandson or granddaughter uh, is identifying um to, un to read uh, testimonies, go to YouTube and look for Christian testimonies. Now, obviously, you still have to be careful because everybody's a Christian today. But there are mm -hmm. good stories, good testimonies out there that will help the grandparents to understand the different life experiences people have had. Wayne, I was just going to say, it might be good at the end of our broadcast to have you suggest some books for our people that they could some people may not know where to go to find these testimonies or these books. So, well, actually, why don't we just do that right now, Denise? So um, what are some good resources that people can go to to get an education on uh, this whole issue so that we're just better informed? Well, uh, so I'm going to name some of my books. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and because, you know, again, it's all from a godly biblical perspective, for somebody that's trying to understand what's going on with their grandson, the issue itself, when hope seems lost, uh, in this book, I not only pour into the knowledge uh, that I've learned through helping individuals, but there's personal stories in there of Grace, of Daniel, of those that had struggled, you know, in the in these ways. And so I would definitely suggest When Hope Seems Lost to help the adult uh, understand. Uh, gender Confusion, a Faith-Based Perspective, again, real stories in this book as well, uh, in addition to addressing other issues of the subject matter. Uh, and, of course, as grandparents looking for storybooks to read our grandchildren, uh, I love what God's done you know, through my desire to reach children today, the boy who liked tea parties. Um, I'm glad God made me a girl. Amazing Amanda. Do superheroes play piano? And then uh, when daddy leaves to be a girl and the most recent one that I've just uh, released, I want my sister back. Hmm. And so these stories are, are meant to help the young children understand the topics. And if they have a grandchild that's struggling, it gives them a character. What I'm doing is countering the lies that the LGBT is suggesting. So, for instance, with the book, I'm Glad God Made Me a Girl, it actually tackles, well, why does Susie want to be a boy? You know, well, they're courageous, they're brave, you know, so we start to explore the reasons 
that one may identify or struggle uh, in some way with their identity. The boy that likes tea parties, he likes fashion, uh, design, you know, fancy hats and, and all of that where dad's really uncomfortable. But what about Joseph with his amazing, colorful coat, you know, that pranced around? So bringing in biblical standpoints and biblical uh, pointers at the end of each book of stories and references for parents or grandparents to refer to. Great. Thank you, uh, Denise, for uh, sharing those resources with us. I'll tell you what I'll do is uh, I'll make a list of those books and include them in our episodes, uh, our podcast show notes, so listeners uh, can find them there for easy reference. John, do you have any other questions that you want to ask Denise? Oh, I've got a lot of questions. I mean, I mean, yeah, actually, you know what? One of the questions would be <clears throat> all these terms, non-binary and all. I mean, we almost need, because we have to understand what's being said out there, what's being done out there, and what words are using so that we can communicate. Can can you just give a <clears throat> brief lexicon of just some of the key terms for our folks? Yeah. So one that uh, they'll hear often, no doubt, is cis. Um and so with cisgender, uh, that is one where one is referring to, um, in, in my sense, uh, that they're heterosexual, you know. Um, but uh, non-binary is another term that they will hear. And that is somebody that doesn't identify as male or female. Uh, so those are more of the common terminologies that that I'm hearing with the younger kids today. The terms just go on. I mean, it's like a growing alphabet. It it really is. You know, transgender has always been as one feels distressed about being in their biological sex, right? Well, years ago, transsexuality, transsexual was also known that was real, just like the same thing as a cross-dresser, somebody that cross-dressed for emotional reasons, sexual high, uh, but cross-dressers would entertain sometimes the idea of being with somebody of the same sex. Today, they're all going under the transgender umbrella. You know, uh, terminology, what I've seen, and it'll be 20 years next March I've been doing this type of work, and to see how terminology, how vocabulary continues to change. Uh, For instance, sex reassignment surgery. SRS. That's what it was called, you know, 20 years ago when somebody transitioned, had their physical parts removed to become the other sex. And then it moved to sex, um, uh, assign, sex assignment, gender assignment surgery. Now it's gender affirmation surgery. So we see where it goes from sex reassignment surgery to today gender affirmation surgery, right? That we're affirming it's okay. So we're normalizing the procedures. Well, it is, you you talk about transgender confusion. It is confusing. There's no question about it because of the, it, it all changes and changes so quickly. Well, I think uh, this has been great. Um, thank you so much. Our, our special guest uh, today, on Legacy Grandparenting has been Denise Schick. And uh, Denise, uh, can people find, the website is Help for Families? 
Com, is that correct? Yes, it is. For help, your website? Help with a number with, four. With a four. Yep, families.com or .org. It'll get them there. Yeah, and uh, or Living Stones mm -hmm. Ministries, yep. either one. Yes. And uh, they'll be able to find some of your books and resources there. And um, I assume some of your your books are also on uh, am available on Amazon. Most definitely, yes. So, yeah, yeah. For okay, now. Okay, great. So <laughs> Denise Schick, thanks so much for joining us today from North Carolina in the backseat of, uh, <laughs> of her car, no less. But this has been great. Very helpful. And uh, we thank you for the good work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak into this issue. And, you know, as a grandmother, I'm, I'm just as concerned as so many of you for our grandchildren. Great. Um, before we wrap things up, uh, let me remind all of our listeners that now's the time for you to register for the 2023 Legacy Grandparenting Summit, which is the National Conference on Christian Grandparenting. The dates are October 19th and 20th, and we have a great lineup of speakers this year, including Tony Evans, Crawford Loritz, Hal Habecker, Walt Mueller, Mike Singletary, Dr. Mark Yarbrough, Ann Gillies, uh, Kathy Cook, Jean and Jeremiah Castile, and uh, many others. Uh, it's going to be a great, uh, great two days. The summit's going to be held this year in Dallas at the Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship Church, and it will once again be simulcast to churches all over the country. Right now we have almost 150 churches uh, who are going to be hosting this year's summit conference. Registration is now open at early bird rates. And if you'd like your church to be a host site this year, there's still time to sign up for that. So all the information is on our website. Just go to LegacyCoalition.com slash summit. Let me also just uh, say something else, and that is that if you enjoy getting these podcasts and would like to uh, help the Legacy Coalition reach more grandparents and impact more of our grandkids, uh, please uh, consider becoming a monthly financial supporter of the Legacy Coalition. You can do that online by visiting LegacyCoalition.com slash donate. We'd love for, to, for you to uh, partner with us to influence our children's children to follow Christ. John, anything else? I have nothing more to say. I, I have a lot to think about. And, uh, but I, I too thank you, Denise, for joining us and enlightening us on a very dark subject. And that wraps up Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Thanks again to Denise Schick for being our special guest. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and John Colomb saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.